What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast will help you respond to that call and invitation from our Lord. Together, we'll learn from leaders in the new evangelization, those out there on the front lines witnessing to God's love, and discuss tips that you can implement today. So what are you waiting for? Go make disciples. Self-help versus real life. That's what I think when I read a really good book or I listen to a really good podcast and, you know, I'll get really excited. And then when I go to implement it, I think, wow, this is a lot harder in real life than it is in the book within this kind of like theoretical sandbox scenario that they propose. And so Justin and I have come up with this idea where we want to practice implementing our ideas with you, because if we don't practice these things in an intentional way, looking at how we do, then we're not going to get better. And so um, welcome to this episode. We think you're going to love it. Yeah. And, you know, that's what makes our podcast different. Than we're here. We're implementers. We're here about doing ministry. And I think what you just described happens a lot with ministry books that we read. We read this great prayer book. So we got to tell our friends. Everyone has to know this. We watch a great documentary, listen to a podcast. Everyone in the world must know this. But the breakdown happening in the church right now is how do you actually get people to get interested and do it? You know, it's that breakdown of the implementation side. So I'm excited for this episode to just kind of give people an insight into how we think. And what's fun about it, too, is you and I approach ministry in similar ways, but we think very differently. You we know, so it's fun for people to hear. You're probably going to hear in this episode. I kind of think more like Nan. I kind of think more like Justin. And that's good. Variety is good. But you can definitely have similar approaches in in um, kind of the concepts we discussed from the book and how you, how you uh, go about things at a thousand foot view. So excited for this one, Dan. Yeah, this is so we're kind of going to open up the hood, so to speak, on on the, the engine inside my head and the engine inside Justin's head. I'll mix all my metaphors there and um, just let you see how we would do this. And what we want to invite you to do here is problem solve with us. And there's not a right answer. Like, it's not that we have the answer, because um, what we did with this is we like we we planned out some of the the steps along the way. But we're also going to show you like this is how we would do something because we want we don't oftentimes uh, when people tell you what they did, they don't tell you how they did it. They don't give you the steps along the way. So you get to see our problem solving process. And we just encourage you as we're going, you should also think of your own solution to the problem. So how would you do this and and what would you do? Yeah, so this is a great episode for someone that is, you know, trying to get a ministry going at their parish or maybe they're about to start a new role. You know, this is we're going to talk through how you actually just get stuff going and build momentum over time because it doesn't happen overnight. So the problem that we're going to pose is you are or we are the brand new director of evangelization at a parish. And you come in and the pastor pastor is we're going to say it's St. Justin the martyr. (laughs) Right. I like it. Um, and the pastor has told you that he wants to build a culture of the evangelization, but it had, he's new. It hasn't been a part of the culture of the parish ever. ever. And yeah. it was all like the, the, the expectation of parishioners was pay, pray and obey. Yes. And, um, the previous pastor thought, well, the, you know, what's the role of the laity? Well, the church would look silly without them. So just sit there and, and watch me. And uh, now this new pastor wants to change things and he has hired you to make it happen. And you've got the ideas, you've got the experience 
and you get there and you realize nobody is ready. You've got some great passionate people who are holy and devout, mm -hmm. but they don't know what it means to lead people to Jesus. Uh, they, they're pious and they're passionate, right? but they don't have the, the skills. And so our goal in this episode is to come up with a series of events that will help prepare them to get those skills so that they can become a part of this, like the really that first set of fruit of missionary discipleship that goes out and begins to evangelize the community, not just within the parish, within the whole parish boundaries. Yeah, awesome. And I think folks listening, you're going to, if you haven't already, you realize a lot of times priests are looking for implementers because they have great ideas and they don't have time to implement. They want to find people they can entrust and empower. So, um, you know, if you're if you're trying to help out your parish priest, odds are they probably they probably want you to have the whole plan and everything. And they want to just support you and be involved to a certain extent. So this is a really good. I love the scenario you described, Dan, because it's very much a real life scenario. Anyone could be dealing with that's listening right now or about to walk into if they're trying to help at their parish. Yeah. So we're going to do a quick review of the key frameworks from the book, Go Make Disciples. And we're going to use those to guide us along the way. And we're also going to introduce some traditional problem solving steps that I find really helpful. Anytime I'm wrestling with a problem, I turn to these, I actually have it taped up on my wall. And this helps me not waste time by thinking of every possible scenario. And it funnels my thought. Uh, we like funnels on this show. Yeah, in business school, there was a phrase in, in consulting, especially don't boil the ocean, right? So you can't, you can't explore every possibility. You can explore your best options and then you got to pick one. You got to go and you got to learn from it. Sink or swim. But what if I want to, what if I want to do that, Justin? <laughs> like, what if I want to boil the whole ocean? You're going to waste some time, Dan. You're going to waste some time. Oh, well, I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll deal with it. So do you have the frameworks, Dan? Are we going to get to show folks that? I do, yeah. Awesome. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see these. If you're not listening in, we'll try our best to describe them. But um, also, they're all in our book, of course, Go Make Disciples, available on Amazon. So the first framework we're going to talk about is the flock experience. And this has three steps. Think of it like a pyramid. So the first thing you do is lock on the lost sheep. Then number two, build the right experience. And three, maintain the relationship. And what we mean by lock on the lost sheep is borrowing from the business world of uh, customer experience, build the type of experience that you want your flock to have, like what is going to attract them. And so think very hard, who are these people and what's going to get them to show up? What did they need? Not what do we think they need and what, not what we think they want. What do they want? So what not have they what told you? you? Need want, not what you and your friends who all read Laudate every morning need. Yeah. Want. Yeah. Unless and this is tough. You're targeting, unless that's who you're targeting. Yeah. And I mean, so like Pope Francis said, pastors should smell like their flock. And this is really what we mean. Like get in, get in and amongst them to find out what they want and then create that experience. And then once you do that, that's the key to having a relationship. So you continue that relationship with them. And that's a good segue into the discipleship funnel because that is all about relationships. And so if you imagine a funnel, um, the, the first step in this funnel is to cast a broad or cast a wide net and make sure that you can plan an event that gets as many people there as possible, some kind of outreach that is really broad. Yeah. And then that allows you to establish a meaningful network and create deeper relationships. So if you think 
like you know nobody in the parish and you want to get to know them well casting a wide net that's an opportunity for you to get your face in front of people and let them know who you are for you to to meet people and there's three keys here that everyone you meet and you're going to develop a relationship with needs to be known named and noticed Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is you should know about them their family their kids where they live they work their job the things they're interested in because that's just good relationships and then their name of course and noticed that what that means is you know what they attend and you notice when they're not there so that they they understand there's they're expected and you look forward to seeing them and that gives people a sense of belonging and it will make them come back so that's that building a meaningful network and from there once you you develop those relationships the lord will present opportunities for you and for you to invite people to come into a more meaningful relationship with him. And that's the call to follow. Yes, a- absolutely. And, um, you know, I just want to make a couple comments, Dan, because I think the frameworks overlap nicely that we have in the book. But um, so in the discipleship funnel, like Dan described, it's got these three layers of you can start with these large events, then you can develop the relationships in the middle, and then you funnel down to this core few that you're going to really build that relationship with and go into serious discipleship with. Like if you watch The Chosen, it's the ones Jesus calls more closely. But I just want to add, you can start the other way, too. You can start with, hey, let me call a faithful few and then develop those relationships. And we go out together. In fact, Christ kind of did. He kind of did that. He did do that because then he announced his ministry with with them. But but um, for the sake of this experiment, Dan, let's go down that same model. You're new. You just moved there. Maybe you want to meet a lot of people. And I think another framework that's going to overlap here as we do this large fishing event is the five W's. I know you'll get to it later, but you already were using the questions. Who? The first thing I think about is who. So for the who, for this first outreach to build relationships, it's a very broad who. It's different than if it was a, a, a narrow focus. So when we talk about who you're trying to reach, we mean like the parish. What are these people like? What are they interested in? And the other thing I want to say, it just came back to me, Dan, was you said they got to be known and um, named and noticed. You have to really mean it, folks. You know, I mean, you can't force through it. That's why you got to remain faithful to prayer and the sacraments, and Christ will give you that love to give out to others. But you really got to love these folks in order to try to want to help them. Yeah. No fake, you can't fake it until you make it. Yeah, yeah. So the, the five W's that we're talking about is whether they are who are you trying to serve mm-hmm. what would interest them where can you reach yeah. them when and then ultimately why and you never want to lose track of your why because then you go way off course and you end up doing stuff for the wrong reasons and this really all works into that flock experience of knowing who you are who you are serving why you want to serving and then really thinking about um what will they attend? What can they attend? People with young kids probably can't attend stuff late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, people who can't drive late in the evening are not going to show up to stuff late at night. Yeah. Um, people who have kids in T-ball aren't going to show up Saturday morning to something. Right. Um, so create events. I mean, if it, if if it's for dads, uh, maybe the dads can get there really early and do a men's ministry. I don't know what it is, but I see more men's ministry that starts at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. before the workday than anything else. And that's just what seems like what works for guys. They like doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so 
So now let's let's uh, get real with it, Dan. So you're and I love this part of ministry when you're starting. It's kind of scary, but it's kind of exciting. You're oh, it's so fun. It's so much time. fun. It's really fun. It's like a blank canvas. So you're getting ready to plan this first outreach because you want to make missionary disciples. We're starting with who you got to know who you're reaching. So, Dan, this is your world we're living in right now. Who who is the who are the people of St. Justin Martyr Parish? Is it rural? Is it urban? What kind of things do they like to do? Where are they at with their faith? You know, what are like the most important things to that community? Is it litur liturgy, community building? Tell us about St. Justin Martyr Parish. So this is a suburban community okay. that is uh, middle class. So you've got people from every walk of life. So the average parishioners is middle class. So median okay. income, um, a handful of kids, yeah. and, um, you know, maybe like probably the majority of them, both parents are working. Yeah. And... Um, let's say you've got somewhere in the in the realm of a thousand to fifteen hundred families, so okay. not a massive Ooh. parish, but not a tiny parish. Um, Depends where you live, Dan. Out yeah, fair enough. Like I said, this is on, this is suburban. Oh, yeah, this is suburban, um, and um, the majority of your parishioners have it's their families who are let's say in between twenty five and fifty. So they've got kids all up and down the range. They've got young kids. Yeah. They've got they've got middle school. They've got high school, and then of course you've got. Uh, the, uh, the, the senior crowd, those people whose children have less, left the home or who don't have children. And so uh, like a good reach of, of everywhere. So, um, and yeah, then a fun, a fun thing with these kind of exercises too, is like when you're starting somewhere, you can think back to communities you've been a part of for the corollary, you know, cause we've probably each journeyed through different parishes. So, so I just got one in mind that I belong to at one point. It's like a smaller version of that parish basically it's what i got in my mind right now perfect yeah so lock lock in on that on that parish and um we're going to further narrow this um and here's why because i think families will be key in this evangelical purpose because they can host other families when they're doing things like bible studies catechesis uh they can mentor young couples who are preparing for marriage yeah and um they can evangelize in their neighborhoods so we're talking about evangelization to families, through families. That's what, yep. that's the strategy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, we're going to jump into the, the classic problem solving steps here. And the first one is just define the problem as precisely as you can. And then you want to come up with solutions to solve that problem. Then we're going to do the risk reward of those problems or rather of your solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're going to like, we're going to do simulations. We're going to run them through. So here's how I, I define this problem. Um, we need to form people to use, the, to open up their homes and families as domestic churches, missionary outposts of mm -hmm. the parish. Mm -hmm. We don't have any couples who are prepared. So we need to identify couples who are interested, offer them friendship, community information, and then invite them to become missionary disciples. So um, with our five W's, we know, who, we know our who, and now let's think of our when and our um, are where. So I'm going to say that one of the best things we could do is, um, let's create a date night for all these couples to get them to come in and, um, either a, a date night or some kind of Saturday family event, like a, we're going to say, I don't want to say something like huge, like a fall festival, but, um, something with enough like games and activities that would attract kids 
So maybe you do like a big tailgate. So if you, if you've got a big university in your hometown and they've got a football game where they have a big event. So do something like that, where you come and tailgate together as a parish community. And then once like, so you do that, let's say from nine to 12 and then say, okay, if you want to watch in the parish hall, great. If not, you know, go back to your homes and, and watch it and check it out. And uh, you might think, well, what, what on earth does that have to do with evangelization? It lets you get to know people and it builds community and it establishes friendship. So that's our, that's our win. I've got two possibilities there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like a date night in, on a Friday evening and you have the youth ministry or the young adult ministry offer babysitting. Mm-hmm. And then the, the families, they have a date night and uh, you have some kind of presentation at the parish that's a topic that would interest parents. So whether that could be like, um, you know, here are, here's conversations that are going to, that are going to enrich your marriage or, uh, you know, something like conversation skills, communication skills, something that couples would really be interested in. Um, and then you're going to give them homework so that they go home and they have time together. They get to go have dessert together or go have a drink together afterward. And that's part of the night. Yeah. So just to, uh, back up a step to narrow the problem statement a little bit more. What I'm hearing in this community is here's the problem. They love being church together and are a nice community, but they aren't missionary disciples. They yeah. aren't going out, evangelizing the neighborhoods, telling people about Jesus, inviting people in their home. So we're trying to get them from, you know, just kind of basking in the joy of being Christian to then going out and sharing it. So, so it's really creating that impetus that like, need for them to do it. So, um, but no, I like your ideas of uh, something that's going to get everyone together, just have a good time, but have you make a pitch, you know, like it's, and we're salesmen for Jesus all the time, folks, whether you realize it or not, making a pitch. I'll throw out one more alternative kind of in between. If you, um, you know, can't pull off the date night or go to the tailgate, let's say uh, you host a watch party for an awesome event. It could be something sports related or a show that, you know, everybody is going to like and, um, you know, find an intermission point. I think a pitch has got to be part of it at some point. And you're going to be making a list of people that come and through your conversations, you're going to be praying and probably have maybe have a few people with you, like father scouting out and talking after the event, who are the people that really stood out that maybe could be those, those leaders in this effort, because, Something I keep coming back to time and time again with ministry is it is so much about leadership development. Yeah. You know? And that starts with a personal invitation. Yeah. So um, they go hand in hand. So, so okay, Dan. So um, we've got a few alternatives. I'll let you make the choice. What, what What's the first thing we're going to do to try to build a relationship with the flock here? So I want to do a, I want to do a date night. Okay. I like we're gonna it. We're going to go okay. with that. It works. That, it works. Yeah. So the reason I'm going to do that, and, and again, we can always like repeat this process later because this isn't the only thing I'm going to do. Um, right. The reason I want to do that is because I want to start building up marriages. And I really want, like, I want the the lived experience of that sacramental bond in the parish to be strengthened and for them to associate that with fun and with joy and like a, just a, a positive experience to constantly pour into that and invest in that relationship. So the, the risk in doing that, of course, you know, some of the risks people don't show up. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they, they don't perceive the value in it. So how would I get around that? Um, 
I would um, I would look at the calendar and make sure there was no competing events. Yes, big I, big time folks. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would pull as much as I could. I would pull people in the parish to find out. One, are you interested in this? If I get really low response, I'm not doing it. Right. And then I would find out like what's the best time? Should it be seven o'clock? Should it be eight o'clock? Should it be five thirty on a Friday night? And go from there. And that could be something as simple as putting in the bulletin, or if you have uh, a more modern way of communicating with people where you can send messages out to connect directly with people, that would be a good one. Yeah. And um, as I got feedback on what they wanted, I would use that to tailor the event. So even though they're risks, they, I mean, they really present opportunities for success and just ways to make sure you are mitigating risk and, and doing the right research to understand, is this what people want? Going back to the five W's. Yeah, give them a reason to come. So maybe the date night, maybe the community just needs to have a little more fun together. Maybe it includes dancing. Maybe there's a local figure everybody loves. Have that person come and speak. Someone's yeah. going to get them to be there, but then give you the platform for two things is, is shake hands, kiss babies, meet people like we talked about, but also make the pitch. So so it's like, uh, I just get this... Um, there's this song by Ben Rector called Follow You. It's such a great song, but it's like got this exciting, it's about following Jesus. And like, this is the time it's so exciting because you're venturing out. And the pastor once told me once when I was starting youth ministry, and I did an event like this. I did like a, a big gathering for it where there's like inflatables and all the stuff that kids would like. And then we had the pitch moment and we had everyone come in the gym. It was crowded. And then uh, the priest, right before we get the mic, he's like, a sower went out to sow. That's what you're doing at this moment. You are seeing where the seed falls. And, you know, you see what happens. If it's one or two people, great. If it's 30 people, great. You don't know, but you got to just trust the Lord to bring you the harvest. Indeed, yeah. So now we've got this narrowly defined problem and we're offering solutions to, so first we, we've kind of, we've locked onto our flock. We understand, hopefully, what they want, what's mm -hmm. going to get them there, what's going to enrich them, how to have a relationship. We've created a large event. We've cast a wide net to get people in, and then we're going to get them to that next stage so that you talked about making that invite, making the pitch, getting people to be comfortable making the next step. And here are, I would probably do this in a, a little bit of a scattered way on purpose. Um, one, I would invite people to, um, to do catechesis differently. And so rather than saying, okay, we're going to do a school model for catechesis where you bring your children to us, we want to encourage you to meet in little clusters. So three to four families, and you can either meet in one home or in four homes. We're going to give you all of the material to meet together as a family to talk about this. And together as adults, you are going to model to your children and you're going to hand on the faith to them. So this is going to create discussions where all of you are talking about the same things together. And then the other thing that I would do is I would offer some type of formation for them, recognizing yeah. you know, if you have 50 couples who show up, probably only five to 10 of them are going to be willing to go on to that next step and say like, oh yeah, I'd like to do a Bible study. Um, but I would offer a Bible study just for those parents. And you could either do that collectively. Uh, I would probably offer it in their homes. That way that you're going to them. You're not making them come to you. So you find some parents who are centrally located and you say, hey, would how would three or four of you feel about having a Bible study? And maybe... Um, you know, maybe they, these aren't the ones who are doing those catechesis in home clusters, um, but they host a Bible study and this is your opportunity to go deeper with them. So you're forming real community mm -hmm. and uh, you're, you're forging real friendship. And at the same time, you're giving them formation along the way. You're going to provide them with the steps that missionary disciples need, or the skills rather that missionary disciples need 
in order to go deeper. And as you do this, you need to develop trust with them. You need to foster a sense of curiosity and openness so that they get to the point where they have an encounter with the Lord and they want to go deeper on their own. They want it. You want them to get to the point where like, you don't even need to invite them. They just want to love God passionately. Yeah. So um, I'm going to bring up something that comes up in our book as well, but uh, there's two areas. I think the church falls short a lot in things that we do. One is we do a poor job of promotion. So something like this needs two to three months at least of promotion and every channel you have, because you're going to get different. You're going to get some from the bulletin. And it's funny, Dan, keep doing events. Keep asking, where'd you find out? Guess what still leads for Catholics? The bulletin. We're just used to the bulletin. So don't act like the bulletin's old news. It's not. Even the young adults that like church, they'll check it out, but don't just rely on the bulletin. Run a Facebook ad. Um, Put some, put some stuff out on all your social media channels. Uh, direct emails, direct mailers. Every channel is going to bring you two or three more people, right? So promotions big. But then the second is follow up, or what I've heard it called better is follow through. So in the situation you described, Dan, you have a next place you want to take these families, which makes perfect sense for your community. You want clusters of families evangelizing families, right? So you've already got the follow through. But, and I think though you want to have it even planned so much as, okay. How am I going to know who's interested after this event? It'll be the face-to-face conversations. You might have an interest response card they do at the event. And then when and how am I contacting them after this event, those that want to be leaders, and what am I inviting them to? But you've already thought through a lot of that, clearly. You're basically inviting people to, um, your pitches to be a part of or help start these cluster groups. And for those that want to go even deeper, here's additional formation. And that's really going to show you who are the real serious folks too that you can have a lot of fun with? Uh, yeah. So, so there's multi layers going on, and I like it because it's also what the church has always been talking about. People are trying to do it more and more. But guys, we got to be we got to be faithful to this. The the GDC, the General Director of the Catechesis, says we need to go after mom and dad. Mom and dad are smart people. If they're on fire for the faith, they're going to figure out how to pass it on to their kids. So go yep. after mom and dad. Yep. Go after them. Far more effective for mom and dad to fall in love with the Lord and share that with their children than to try to do that when mom and dad are apathetic or ambivalent towards the faith. And yeah. a, a word on, so you you brought up communicating with them and, and following through. Um, I would make your event free if you can afford it. Oh, yeah, um, but yeah. if not a nominal fee, because sometimes people actually uh, perceive more value in something they pay for. And yeah, user good sometimes. Yeah, user registration system like um, I mean any of the websites where people just give you their email address and their contact so that you can follow up. That way you know and you can over time see well who showed up at this and what are they doing and, and how much interest do they show. Well, the and the truth is too, Dan. I think at least for me, you know, if we're not always inviting and empowering others, inviting and empowering parents, we're starting to make it more and more about ourselves and our charisma and our personality. And we're just no one is cool enough to keep people that many people engaged. There's not. There's no one cool enough that are going to keep thousands of families engaged in the faith, right? They have to, we have to constantly be inviting people to discover the Lord on their own because he's the only one. He's the only one. So just keep bringing people more and more and keep sharing leadership more and more as you go. Yeah. So that, that last step of the funnel as we get there, now that you've identified, you've brought a lot of people in, you've identified who are the people who are ready to go. And I want to pause here. We're not saying to be elitist because we're not turning anybody away. No, we we're looking for the people who come forward, who step forward and say, Hey, I'd like to do more. And like, nobody gets turned away. 
um, as long as they're like, they don't make the experience negative for other people. That's, and, that's a great point because you might have that sometimes. I've had that and you have to ask some people to step away sometimes from something. But, but to what you're saying, Dan, guaranteed you will be surprised by who ends up rising up. Happens yep, to time and time Absolutely. Again. Yeah, because people. the Lord calls who he wills. So once you know who those people are, you can maintain a meaningful network of relationships. Then you ask people to go deeper. And if you don't yet feel ready, so we're like this is the theoretical you who's leading this parish evangelization effort in yeah. concert with the pastor. If yeah. you don't feel ready to form people as disciples, send us an email at beingandmakingdisciples at gmail.com so that we can talk you through how you could become ready to lead people to this point. Because mm -hmm. what eventually people need to, to get the conviction that it is 100% their job to lead people to Jesus. Yeah, no one and else can do it. Yeah, because that's what Jesus asked us to do. And that's like, it, it's it's a thing. Yeah. I think that's part of the what you're saying is part of the pitch you would make at that event because it's like, you know, somehow in the right tone and right way saying, you know, the people you love that you, okay, so here's, here's maybe the pitch because the community described, they love being at the church. We have such a great community here at St. Justin Martyr, right? I mean, we love the Lord. We're, we're friends, sincere friends. We help each other. We serve each other. We serve the poor in the area. What about all the family and friends, you know, right now in your mind that aren't a part of this, that you wish were at mass. No one is going to go get them but you yeah you're the only one that's why we're inviting you to but bam you know it's and that's that's marketing i mean that's sales selling for jesus you got to know what's gonna wake them up inside you know yeah so, so let's look at some of the risks and rewards of the way we want to do this so um risk and reward of the um the clusters of family catechesis and those in-home bible studies of course, one risk is um, the people who come forward aren't well-formed and they could contribute to poor formation of others. And I think you could, you can get around that in a couple of ways. Um, if you're, if time allows you meet with those parents ahead of time to go over the lesson with them and let them know some, some of the points that might get a little sticky yeah. and you just ask them, say, you know, if, if you disagree with the church on anything, I understand that. Um, what we ask is that when you're having conversations with people in your home about the faith, that you don't present your opinion on like as the official church teaching and you can just keep that to yourself and, and say, okay, here's what the church teaches on this. And if that's a hard thing for you, then just allow somebody else to talk on that. Um, then of course, you know, you have the risk that people don't show up and they just decide not to do it. And that's a risk we face with anything. anything. And yeah, so just do it. Just get over, you gotta just, if you're gonna be a ministry, you just gotta get over that. I've had yep. So many times where, you know, you get nervous before five minutes before, is anyone going to come? You just got to get past that. And if a lot don't come, you learn from it and you improve. And, um, you know, another way to mitigate what you shared too, Dan, is say you don't get a lot of well-formed people. It's okay to start smaller, you know, and maybe you only have two or three well-formed couples. Just yep. start with them and yep. grow it because you got to have a vision of you're going to be in this for a few years. You're not going to be doing this for yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah. And um, then if we look at the risks and rewards of that, uh, that invitation to have people step forward and learn to be disciples and be formed as disciples, they could say no. Um, yeah. But it's, to me, that's one of the, the few risks, but it's a necessary one because that's it's, good. yeah, it's a component of it. Now, of course, you're risking your time and you're, you're saying with your time, I think this is more important than something else. 
And uh, I understand that risk, but I also believe uh, this is what the church has asked us to do. The church exists to evangelize. That's from Paul the Sixth Evangelii Nunciandi. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the last words of Jesus, go and make disciples. And I had a good conversation with a friend recently who was, who was talking about all the things that he's busy with in ministry. And I asked him a tough question. I said, are all of these things essential? And he said, yes. I said, if you didn't, let's say you didn't meet with these, these people who called you and said, I really need to meet with someone right now. How many of them would go to hell if you didn't meet with them? <laughs> I mean, he said, not many of them. Yeah. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. Um, and, and St. Paul, of course, took time to write letters back to his communities to address major issues. Um, but we, I, we may have a little bit of this culture where we are, we drop everything when somebody calls and says, Hey, I need you. And I don't want to be insensitive and say, we don't need to address those needs and help those people. But if everything's important, nothing's important. And if we look up and after a year, we haven't evangelized anybody. We haven't brought anybody closer to Jesus. We haven't formed anybody to be a disciple and go Mm -hmm. bring other people to Jesus. Then we are a part of the problem of disaffiliation in the church. And it's because we place things over and above the responsibility that Jesus gave us. Yeah. And you know, Dan, um, what you're speaking about is just prioritization. And in this scenario, you've already described the priority. It's, it's engaging these families to start these groups. And when you go, set out in ministry, guaranteed, you are going to have other things fly on your radar that could pull you away. You have to know your top priorities so you know what to say no to. It, it's just essential. And I'll tell you, I've, I've learned that I get so much more done in like 40 hours of super focused work than I used to doing staying late, doing 50 hours without yep. a clear sense of where I was going. And yep. kids, kids, kids do that. That's a grace of having kids. Cause when you're at work, it's like, I gotta get my stuff done now. So we'll do it later. Yep. It's great. So anyway, Dan, just, just reemphasizing you're right. You have to know why you're there, why your pastor hired you and your top priorities to fulfill that mission. He has entrusted to your care by his authority as the canonical leader of that parish. It's a big deal, folks. I mean, this is the church in action. When a pastor entrusts something to you, do not take it lightly and, and yeah. kind of yeah. you know, stay in your lane a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, so there. finally, evaluating success. And um, I would I would do two things with this. I would evaluate success before the event and then after. And what I mean by that first part is um, you know, like you have the big picture vision of what it's going to take to succeed to pull this off. So event planning. What you then need to do is break that up into micro steps that that you say, okay, yeah. well, how long is it, how long does it take to, to plan a date night? Um, and, you know, if I were advertising this three months in advance, I'd probably make it a series of date nights. There's some good programs out there that you could get that would give people a series of date nights. Um, so if I were advertising this, I'd, I would make it longer, six, eight, ten of them. But um, you know that you know you, you don't just plan the event all at once. You do it over a period of time, and that's finding your presenters and reserving the space and getting catering and getting the, the place set up and doing the marketing and sending everything out. And so you break all that down into as many small steps as you can, and then you give those deadlines so that you can see your progress to success along the way rather than just saying, well, I need to do all of this. You don't need to do all of it. You need to do this one thing. 
right now. Yeah. And then yeah. you, you do the next thing. So once you're done with the event, it, you need to define success before the event's done. But then after the event, you look at success. And so here's how I would define success in this scenario where I was inviting people to a date night. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to see as a result was parents who went into both, like either or, both and, that family catechetical cluster model where they're like teaching their own children and teaching the children of others by meaningful conversations on their own. Yeah. And um, then people who enter into Bible studies. And so I would say my goal is to have four clusters of four families. And mm -hmm. you can say, depending on the size of your parish. Yes. And to have two Bible studies in with, with uh, seven, with six to 10 people per Bible study. Yeah. And actually I'm gonna say eight to 12, eight to 12 people per Bible study. And then I, uh, that would be a sign of good success for me. So that's, that's how we, we define success. And then after that, I want those, that family, the family clusters to meet consecutively and consistently for one calendar, for one like school year. Cause that's how we typically do catechesis. So maybe we don't need to. So never mind, like a year, just a year. Yeah. And then let's get out of that model. And then reevaluate after the first year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or six months. Um, and then for the families who are doing the Bible study, I think that they should meet for three months weekly with, you know, one or two off nights off weeks for three months. And that will allow you to see who's ready for an invitation to go deeper. Yes. I love things. You assign numbers. We have to get comfortable with numbers in ministry. I'll just add that as you're making your numeric goals, it is okay without letting yourself off the hook for failure. It is okay to adjust those. So I think sometimes when you're starting somewhere, you're kind of shooting in the dark with your first goals. You don't really know. Even yeah. you and I with this podcast, we set some initial goals, then we got into it and understand how podcasts work. We're like, okay, those probably weren't good goals. Here's better goals. But you need to um, set those goals that are a stretch for you, that are a bit aggressive, but aren't going to overtax you. You know, um, I think you and I even think a little differently on goals. You see me more of a person that's like, reach for the moon, you'll land, or reach for the, is it moon, you'll land along, among the stars, shoot for the moon, you'll land among the stars. That Something goes. like that, yeah. And you like the big goals. And some people, listen, it might depend on your personality. Some people are, are motivated by the hogs, the big, hairy, audacious goals. They're like, so far reaching, like, oh man, I almost got so far. I'm the opposite kind of personality. I'm like, if I make it too far, and I, it'll just like deflate me if I really think it's not a realistic goal. That's why I also think it's good to do uh, ministry in pairs. I mean, our Lord sent the disciples out in two, but um, you know, you and I compliment each other well, Dan. I, I encourage people listening, have a buddy or at least a thought partner. That might even be your spouse. That could be your pastor, but have a thought partner and try to pay yourself. Like a lot of companies that are successful, you have Apple had the visionary and the implementer as they got started, right? Steve Jobs and his right-hand man. Um, so for uh, ministry, I would encourage folks, know which one you are. Are you the visionary or the implementer? And then pair yourself with the opposite of that because you'll do a good tug and pull on the planning to get to like good, uh, reasonable expectations. So there you go, folks. We walked through all the problem solving steps. We defined our problem. We came up with alternatives. We uh, evaluated the, the risk and reward of those. And then we talked about implementation. And really the last thing to talk about is the iterative model. And that's simple. Yeah. Do something, look at how you did, and then do it again with more intentionality and a better plan.
Just keep tweaking. Yeah, the iterative model is key for ministry. It's key for entrepreneurship. And that's really what a lot of ministry is. You're trying new things all the time, right? I think what happens sometimes in ministry is we're not used to using that thought process. So we get so deflated. Like we'll have we'll have like two great retreats and like one that doesn't go as well. And we think, ah, the retreats are done. No, yep. pay attention, get data, get feedback and tweak it for next time and view it as a, as a long-term process. So um, yeah, Dan, that was fun. And I just encourage folks, if you've got a situation you're hand, dealing with right now that's complicated, email us. We are throwing yeah. it out there. I mean, I'd one love day, to do that. One day we hope to launch classes and that sort of thing in this stuff um, using concepts from the book. But for now, we're just offering ourselves up to help hop on the phone with you. So being and making disciples at gmail.com. And if you're up for it, we'd love to have you as a guest for an episode and talk through it with you, de-identifying your parish and all that, of course. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. You know, we're here to just help get these ideas out in the church because we see them work. We know they work and the church needs more of it because we just we need more stuff happening. So people keep engaged with the church. Indeed. Indeed. So, folks, thanks so much for for joining us um, again. We uh, we really appreciate the feedback we've received on our, the rating systems for things like I, uh, the, the Apple podcasts. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to write those. We really appreciate it. If you haven't, and uh, you have some thoughts on the podcast and you really want to give us a five-star review and say some great things, we would really appreciate it. Yes. Like comment, subscribe, share all those things, help us get these ideas out so that the church can um, more better uh, fulfill her mission. There we go. Well, God bless you friends. Know that you are in our prayers and look forward to the next time. Peace.